Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? I'm good, Eric. It's a little early in the week for us. We're recording on Monday, but... That's because we both have uh, obligations later on in the week, but we snagged, uh, you know, we, we've hit the big time. We, we've snagged uh, the, the, the top dog uh, at Naira, and uh, we're uh, happy to have him on. So we're going to go right to it. Uh, Mr. Andy Serling, welcome to our quaint little podcast. Well, thanks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to feel I'm the top dog at Naira, apparently. I found out from you, so... <laughs> It's all good so far. So maybe all downhill from here. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? I I can tell that uh, I'm not, you know, I, I'm a fan of Twitter. I don't post a lot, but I read a lot. And um, I must not be uh, that active on Twitter because I haven't done anything that you blocked me. So that <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that. As soon as the show's over, I'll find out that, right. that yeah. I'm blocked. <laughs> but no, Andy, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. And um, we're going to go over the Aqueduct Thursday late, uh, the pick six, because there is a carryover. So uh, that's attractive to us. So uh, before uh, Eric and Andy get into uh, doping out the, uh, those six races, uh, Andy, uh, first and foremost, how how did you get the racing bug? What was your original introduction into horse racing? Well, I mean, originally as a kid, my dad liked to go because we live in New Jersey. We moved to Saratoga when I was about 11. Um, but I really didn't have any interest. I went, I think, to Liberty Bell when actually had thoroughbreds back then, uh, maybe the maybe early 70s. And um, but we moved to Saratoga. And you know, we moved to Saratoga just after Labor Day. So the meeting was over at that point. This was in the 70s. And um so I went to the harness track a little bit with my dad, because back then the harness track was open until October, at the end of October, I think, opening in the spring. Never really interested that much, but I'd go with my dad. It was fine. Um, but then when, when, the, when the big track opened up and I would go over with him, he liked it. They only had triples in the last race back then. And he would leave work and walk over and you'd get him free the last couple of races. So he'd walk over and I'd go over with him. And I think I probably went over with him fairly early in the meet. And um, there it was, you know, and, 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 I think like a lot of people, you know, in this case, I was very young. I was 12, but like a lot of people, I walked on the grounds of Saratoga and felt like home and uh, I sort of never left. That's awesome. So, and that's a common theme. We either have, you know, our dad or or some relative influences us, you know, shows us and shows us the racing form. And uh, that's our tutorial into horse racing. Now, when you got into the work world, you kind of mistakenly found your way to Naira because you were working for Amex at the time before. No, or? no, I worked in the American Stock Exchange. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I worked downtown um, originally, and I I I was working um, with with options traders. So I ended up in American Stock Exchange, an option exchange. It's since closed, but closed um, around 2010, somewhere in that range. Shortly after I left, actually. Um, I don't, I think they had two or I, I probably left for reasons why I ended up closing, but my leaving <laughs> had anything to do with closing. Um, and um, I worked on the floor of the Amex uh, starting in 1990 uh, until the middle of the 90s. 
um, for about four years, I think. And uh, I left and I started playing the horses full time. I went to Gulfstream in the winter. I went to Keeneland in April. Uh, had stayed in New York, you know, for, for Belmont and Saratoga and a little Belmont Aqueduct. And then went, uh, went did it over again, did that for, um, for four years. Uh, and in the latter part, I always knew I'd go back to trading options. Um, in the latter part of the, or the fourth year, at the end of the third year, um, Steve Christ was working at, at, at Naira at that time, he had a 10 year, brief tenure there. And he hired me to do some TV. I, I really only met Steve when he went to work there in about the end of 94, 95. I had talked to him a couple of times in Saratoga, but over the years, but um, I started doing Talking Horses at that time with Mike Watchmaker. And he needed somebody to fill in before I went to Florida, I think in, in 95, maybe the end of 90, 95. And um, then when I came back in the spring, they had an opening as well. And so I ended up doing Talking Horses for a little over a year there while I was playing full-time. And um, I did some of the TV, some of the prattles, some of those. And then when I left, I went back to Amex. Um, I, I ended up going back to trade in the end of 97. And I stayed there for 10 years. But uh, in, it wasn't long before I would just go to Saratoga for the entire meet. I was going a little bit back and forth in the beginning. But eventually, I, just, I stayed in Saratoga the whole meet. And Steve Christ and others bought the Daily Racing Forum. And they were doing the Ciro seminars. And so I became a part of that with Harvey Pack and it was Harvey and myself. Eventually it became Harvey and me and whatever guests basically every day, pretty much. Right. Um, and uh, so that got me involved. And I think when those first Capital OTB was showing it, the New York City OTB picked it up and gave me a little exposure. And so, you know, I ended up um, leaving the Amex and spoke to my, uh, I worked for UBET for a little while doing some videos oh, yeah. for them. And uh, Charlie Hayward was president of Naira and I knew Charlie a little bit. And I talked to Charlie, and that's the end. He hired me at Naira, and that's I've been there since uh, um, early in nineteen in, in, in two thousand eight. So I've been there almost fourteen years. Wow! For some reason, I thought it was longer. You know, it just it seems like it you're seems a staple. Like I've been there longer. Okay. <laughs> Going downhill you're already. A, yeah, you're a state. You know, I'm an old man, so <laughs> my memory. Goes I feel like fourteen years a long time. Um, <laughs> like like twenty. Yeah. No. Well. Uh, it's just awesome, and uh, your your knowledge of, of horse racing is second to none. And I'm I often am curious, and maybe because you know being at one track and looking at PPs for races that you see the same horses, is your approach to handicapping a race different at a Naira track that you know and you've seen these horses versus say like you know, the Pegasus that uh, j just came about. I knew those horses too. And I knew that only two of them could win. And I feel like that's true. Yeah. Win. Right. But, um, I mean, but, but not on a regular well, basis. Well, we do cover other tracks on our Merrick's Day at the Races show. We right. cover Churchill Downs when they're running and we're covering Oakland. So I'm also handicapping at least half the card there pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I approach handicapping the same no matter where they're racing. I mean, I do the work the exact same way. So, yeah, I don't I don't change my handicapping style. I mean, I, you know, back in the day when I when I when the Meadowlands had good thoroughbred racing at night and I used to go there quite a bit. I approached a little differently, but no, I, I, I try to use the same handicapping principles and watching replays and, you know, things like that and using formulator and looking the horses up. No, I, I pretty much do the same amount so, and anywhere I play, you know, when I used to I was in Florida, I worked at Gulfstream what, six years ago in the winter with Gabby and then and. and same thing. And, you know, you know, my, my handicaps only changed in the sense that, you know, a formulator is made a lot easier and replays okay. being on video made it easier than just, you know, taping them or right. watching them replace on the track. But 
No, it's my handicap so, haven't changed particularly. So if you could if you would say that you would lean on one particular thing or what's the most important aspect of handicapping a race, would you say it's uh, what you're reading in, in the form, uh, replays, using formulator, uh, what's, what's one and, or 1A? Well, I mean, it all starts with the PPs, right? You have to sort of yeah. look at them and make some sort of decision ultimately of who's competitive. But I, don't, I think different races um, might stress different things. Um, you know, I, I believe in speed figures. I think they're a very important part of handicapping because at the end of the day, if you find reasons to like a horse in a race, you think the race is going to set up well for that horse or, you know, the horse has had some excuses in his races and today seems like it sets up well or whatever. You want to make sure the horse is fast enough, right? Because if you're going to bet a horse and you feel like under even the most optimal circumstances, um, he or she is not good enough to win, then you're probably, you know, coping you can get some long shot third or something. So <laughs> I think you want to use speed figures and you want to figure out under, you know, hopefully somewhat optimal circumstances is the horse fast enough to compete and nothing beats a good speed figure for that. And I think the buyer speed figures work well for me. I, I also look at the time form us figures because they take pace into account. And I sort of look at them and I see when those figures deviate from the buyers in a, in a manner to see if there's a reason, is it a pace related reason? Did Craig who makes the figures at time form, you know, look at it differently than people who work with Andy. It's just sort of from that standpoint, but I believe in speed figures very, very much. The, uh, when when you look at a card, say it's a, a nine race card, do you have like a time frame that you can typically get through a card uh, or does it vary? Uh, yeah, it varies. I, I don't think about it that way. I just do. Oh, okay. I, I like handicapping. So, you know, I mean, probably my favorite part of my job is actually handicapping. I, I enjoy it. I mean, sometimes you look at races and you have no idea who's going to win them or, you you know, you, I mean, it's easier when I'm doing Churchill and Oklahoma because I don't have to make absolute picks for those races. Whereas mm -hmm. in New York, I have to come up with four picks for every race. And it's not my, it's not the way I would do it. I know there's a lot of people on the internet that seem to think I'm actively want to give out as many picks as I can for a race, but there's, uh, there's uh, um, famous racing personality calling me um uh -oh. more famous than me. Take a break? Um, no 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 <laughs> the, the great the legendary tom amos um uh -huh. it, 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 tom and i stay in touch believe it or not i know people think what? tom and i like each other we, we talk quite frequently he's a terrific nice. guy the greatest yeah I, I mean one of the great things about my job is the people i've met and working with them and i i can't think of anybody i'm more appreciative than tom who's a terrific right? guy. His wife, Colleen, is great. Oh, yeah, I know that people think that Tom and I hate each other. It's it's, a, it's, a, it's an act. It's not even an act. We do antagonize each other in our friendship, but, you know, I'm, but, but we, we, we get along very well. Um, but, but I like handicap, you know, so I, so, so, yeah, I don't, I don't worry about how much time it takes, you know, I don't oh, okay. think about it that way. I mean, I know that it's going to take me about you know, when I do my initial run through, it takes me about five minutes a race, but then there's, you know, there may be a lot of work, maybe replays to watch. There may be a lot to look up. There may be very little to look up. So mm -hmm. it varies. I have an off the wall question, which came up in a personal conversation and I tried to find an answer. Every single track, you know, on their video feed, the, the handicappers and, and you guys do it on talking races as well. You always put, you know, your four top, picks right okay at what point and and my my guess was i don't know maybe this goes back to when tracks introduced the superfecta why 
put out, you know, why does every track say, okay, here are our top four selections? I think you nailed it. It's super factors. You know, I mean, there are people who would come up to me and they want just know who my top four picks are. I mean, they ask me and I tell them or I, you know, I, I give them, tell them where to go look for the website or people ask me. I mean, there are people that want to know it. I When I originally did Talking Horse with Mike Watchmaker, we didn't, I didn't give out picks. Mike had picks in the racing, in a, in a program, but we didn't give out picks. It annoyed Mike because I want to hold me to one selection or something. Right. Popular. I'm interested in two horses and one of them wins and somehow he thinks I'm taking credit for it. Saying, Whatever, you know, see. But, but, you know, we didn't give pick. I, 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 it's my job. My job is to give people what they want. And we, there are plenty of people that want all four picks. There are plenty of people that aren't interested in hearing my BS and that's fine, but they want to see what the picks are and that's fine. So, you know, we work, my, I work for the people who are customers are the betters. I work for them. Sure. Hey, great answer. And uh, as far as Twitter, I, cla- uh, cl- you know, classic Andy Surly tweet is during the Saratoga meet, you know, when the weather was iffy, people would be t- tweeting, you know, hey, what's the weather in Saratoga weather? It's like, you know, there's a wonderful app called the weather app. <laughs> that you can look up I don't know yourself. what they think I'm going to know that they don't know. I mean, I, right. I, look at the, I look at the weather on the computer. Just because you're in a place doesn't mean you know what the weather's going to be, right? And they're so obsessed. It's so obsessed with the notion of off the turf and all that, not whatever. <laughs> you know, to be fair, when I was for, when I was playing full time, I, I watched the Weather Channel a lot. I was sort of obsessed by it. I remember one year after we had left Florida and I was staying, Andy Byer and I were sharing a place and his wife said to me, you've got my husband obsessed with the weather channel because we used to have it on all the time. And But it, I, I eventually I just sort of went, I'll look up, I'll, you know, see when I'm handicapping, but I'm not going to obsess over it. Can't <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, appreciate the, the, the humor that you put into uh, the job as, as well. Um, as far as the state of racing, there's a lot of negative stuff. And unfortunately, it seems like you know, the mainstream media grass on to the negativity. Uh, you're, you're, you're the commissioner of all of racing for one day. There's one thing that you could, you know, swing a magic wand around and change or something to put racing on a better track, no pun intended. Um, what, would you, what would you do for racing across the country? I don't think it would be fair for me to answer that sort of off the cuff because okay. it's a complicated conversation. You know, I understand people's frustrations. I do, you know, um, I, I, I don't agree with some of the assessments, but that's just because I don't agree with somebody or even if I do agree with them, doesn't make it right. Um, I understand why people are frustrated. Listen, racing's frustrating for all of us. You know, we, we, we take tough beats. It's hard to win. And listen, no, no player out there hasn't looked at a result. And sometime someone realistically said, boy, feels like there was more behind that horse that beat me running well than just the horse's regular ability. So I, I, I understand people's frustration. I'm not, I, 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 and I, I also think that, you know, one of the things we kind of like about racing is we're buying the opportunity to complain. And so I, 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 I'm a complainer about things too. And I get frustrated too. I, I've been a horse player for closing out of 50 years. I, I, I've, I, I fought as I fought the paramutual wars and I, I continue to fight them. And so I, I, I understand people's frustration, you know, even if I don't agree with them, um, I, I wish that people, 
would stop accusing certain riders and stuff of being cheaters. It's offensive to them personally. I think there's some narratives out there that, that I know are completely inaccurate and they're unfair. But you know what? To, to those people, they aren't. So who am I? I? I don't like seeing people I know to be, you know, people of, of character having their integrity impugned. But that's the way life works, I guess, these days. And that's what social media has done. But I, I understand people's complaining. I love racing. And I may complain about it, too. And I think a lot of these people are also passionate about racing as we are. Mm -hmm. So they get inflamed when, you know, they, they perceive things going unfairly. Does that mean that they're right? No. But there's a lot of some stuff going on that isn't, you know, that isn't terrific. And so I do understand. I love racing. So at the end of the day, even though I can be a real complainer, I, I love racing so much that I'm constantly entertained by it. And I, I try to see the positive um, in it and see the great things about it. But that doesn't mean I disregard the, the negatives. And as far as, you know, solving it, I, I don't, I don't have an answer and what the, there's no one thing you would do. Um, I, I, I would like there to be a way to change people's perception that management doesn't care. Um, I can't speak for other racetracks. And I won't speak for them. And I have my own problems probably with some of them as well. But I can tell you that Dave O'Rourke, who runs Naira Cares, and I don't say that just because he's my friend and he's my mm -hmm. big boss. And Tony Alvado, who's my boss, who, you know, I get along well with him, but Tony and I disagree about plenty of things. And Dave and I disagree about plenty of things. But they do care. Doesn't mean they're going to make decisions and decisions they have to make in a business people are going to care about. But they're not sitting around saying we don't care about players. I, I know them. That, mm -hmm. that they they don't feel that way you know they want to make the product better it's not an easy thing to do and it's a business and it's hard to run but i wish there was a way and i also understand why people feel that way i've often felt that way but i wish there's a way we could help change that perception at least about naira um i don't know if there's a way to do it but i i do think there's a lot there's people at naira i'm not saying everybody it's not no company is perfect but sure. there are a lot of people there especially in higher positions that actually do care about horse players yeah. Hey, you know, they're, they're the customers and, you know, you have, yeah. you have to uh, try, try to see what, what's in their best interest, but at the same time, you know, uh, Naira and all these other tracks, they're not charities. They have, right, they well, have we, to make, they have we to do, make but, 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 you know, we also understand people's frustrations about certain things and it's not, right. they're not people that don't care. That doesn't mean they're always going to do the right, you know, none of us going to always do the right thing or have the right, but sure. I, I, I wish that people, and I, I don't, the only way you change that is by action, I guess, but yeah. we do care. Well, that's good. Good to know. Well, before I let my partner, Eric, I'm sure he, he's got a, a few questions before you guys get into the handicapping. Uh, do you have a, a favorite go-to wager that you prefer one over the other, or is it all circumstance on the race? I'll tell you one thing right now in at Naira, because there is not CAW play in the wind pool, there are there is value in the wind pool these days, especially for a smaller player. Um, so I will say that now the late pick five, the pick six, we're keeping that money out of those pools. So those are good pools to play. So I think they are good pools. But, I, you know, I think there's such a good betting menu that people should figure out. I, I, one thing I'd say about that is don't limit your there's so much talk about multi-race bets these days. I think people are missing out on opportunity both to potentially make money but also to um, improve their play by you know, just looking at, um, you know, one kind of way, why not exactas or triples, you know, superfectas, 
um, they, they diffuse the takeout in the same way a pick three, a pick four does by the slot. So I think that people should look at all possible wagers and decide perhaps what a given race might the best pool for them and not always just decide it has to be a pick five. Because I know they've become very popular, but there's all sorts of bets out there. And Naira, we have big pools and all. Sure. All right, great. Andy, thanks again uh, for uh, the, the question and answer period. I look forward to you and Eric going over this uh, pick six at Aqueduct on Thursday. So, Eric, uh, it's all yours. All right. Thank you, GQ. Uh, very excited. He blew off a Tom Amos phone call for us. That's, uh, I got to change my obituary here and work that in somehow. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. But very impressed. Be, Thank you. Tom will be very insulted by this. Yeah, I know. And now he's going to know. <laughs> Next time I see him at Saratoga, he won't know who I am, but I'm going to be like, I was with Andy and he didn't take your call. Talk to Tom. He's, he's, stay the, with he's me. the nicest guy out there, especially to talk to. He really is great. Yeah, he came. I guess he, I usually sit in the backyard with the beach chair and he had some friends nearby. So he came by and was hanging out now and again. So seemed like a very nice guy. So I'm sure he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. I don't want to keep you here all night, so let's get into some handicapping. We're looking at the pick six on Thursday. I probably should have looked up the exact carryover. You might know it, but it's around 30,000. 31,000? 31, Does that sound yeah, right? It's right around there. Uh, it begins with race four on Thursday. That is a six furlong dirt sprint for maiden special weights. A lot of these horses are coming out of a December 30th race, a December 30th race. I, I know you talk a lot about the way the track plays, something we don't talk that much on this show about. Um, I, I looked up, I believe it's you, Andy, too. You put the track trends. Is that your yeah, work? Do. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there and, and you're into it, you want to learn more about it. I, I know it's on the Naira website, but I just Google aqueduct track trends or Belmont track trends. And it's the first link that comes up. So December 30th, I guess there was some kind of speed bias you had written down. Yeah. All weekend, the 30th, the 31st, the first, second rail was good, but speed was dominant throughout the weekend. Um, yeah, I, I actually found the first leg of this, this pick six to be the toughest. Hmm. I, I may have bad opinions in all of them, but it was the hardest one for me to make picks. I actually haven't finished my picks for this race. I just, I've left it open. It's the only race I think in the car I still am open on my picks. Yeah, so I guess a lot of horses come out of that December 30th race. Is there anyone, I, I know I have one that I like the most coming out of that, and I, I'm going to probably go pretty short here, uh, but is there anyone out of that race that you like coming back the most? I would probably, oddly enough, look at the two that ran the worst, the seven-hour shot and the five check that ship. Um, check that ship was fouled early in the race. I don't know if he could run, but he took a lot of money first time. And uh, our shot with the firster, who I thought had a little bit of a trip as well after breaking slowly. He was towards the inside, which may have helped. I, I thought Rumjar caused some trouble at the start and kind of sucked along for a second. You know, you look at the rest of his races, and, you know, where did that figure come from? Uh, so I'm not, I'm not in love with the horses out of this race, to be honest with you. Um, I, I'm not going to be shocked if any of them win, but I'm actually looking in a different direction. I am far more interested in the two actualized. Um, and I know he comes out of a $40,000 maiden claimer, but he, he actually set what practice agrees with a very fast pace the first quarter, and you look at the second, the winner, I mean, the winner came back and while he ran basically the same buyer figure, the one point worse, he was off a claim and he was, you know, and, and it wasn't not a knock on the trainer, but a tough guy to claim from the guy who had him. And the second was came back and one improved his buyer figure seven points. So I actually think that was a pretty live race he comes out of. And it's not like anybody in that maiden race ran particularly well. And for Charlie Baker to claim a first time star that cost $12,000 that didn't take much money 
he must have really seen something. And Charlie's a pretty shrewd guy. And to come back in a maiden special, unless they really hustled him into this race, I think there's some real intention there. And I think his first race is is good enough to win here. And I'm hoping because he's a maiden claimer that people say, oh, he's a maiden claimer. These horses are maiden specials. He probably sucks. And I'm not sure he's going to have to be that good to beat these. So I actually kind of interested in him. And he got out a little slow last race, about a length slow, uh, which probably helped Charlie Baker because if he breaks cleanly, who knows? Maybe he doesn't have to rush the lead. He can set an easier pace and, and win the race. And now he claimed a horse who lost who his main like condition. I, I like the like five. That? Check that chip a lot. Uh, okay. he, 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 I mean, you probably know this, but he, I'll tell the listeners. He brushed, brushed the gate. Uh, and then after he brushed the gate, he got bumped at the start. And then he got checked back uh, about 10 more steps later. And he lost several lengths. So I think he was pretty far back. And he probably is able to show more speed, especially with the blinkers now. He probably would have without the bad start. And then he made that wide move. He got to maybe two lengths, maybe a length and a half to the lead uh, before fading. And especially if you're saying the inside and speed was good, that was very impressive outside wide move. So I, I just think second time starter, he's got uh, uh, room to improve. Obviously, they all have room to improve. But I think his 54 buyer is a lot better than that. Like to me, that's a 65 buyer, something like that with a, a somewhat clean trip, even higher. So if he improves off of that, I think he can be tough here. Uh, I agree with you on Run Jar. I hope he's either co-favorite or second choice. I thought he had a pretty good trip last time. Others are first-time starters in that race, so they're going to improve more than him, I think. I have a question about the one, Dad's Good mm-hmm. Runner. I liked uh, his first start. Um, he was three wide. He was chasing three wide behind a three-to-five shot who came in fourth. Six-to-one shot who ended up winning the race, but still, he chased what seemed to be an honest pace. And I liked him out of that race. And then November 20th, he had a fairly easy lead and he just cashed it in. Uh, do you have an excuse for that race or, or do you have any reason why he should bounce back to that first effort? I don't get a lot of tips, but um, a trainer told me earlier in the day, I was talking to the paddock and he told me they really liked this horse. I wanted to be bled last time, you know? I mean, listen, you're going to see these new turn three-year-olds, you know, first time three-year-olds using Glasix. They couldn't before. My problem with him is... I'm not sure that his first race was really that good because Hagler came back and ran considerably worse from a buyer figure scale. So I'm wondering if that 57 buyer should have been a 49, you know, and he might just not be that good. And I thought that actualizes pretty fast. So he's going to have him on his flank. I don't think he's impossible, but I, I question that buyer first time out. I think you make great points about check that ship. Um, you know, the trouble is caused by rum jar. And he came in and caused all the trouble in that race. And it hurt. Check that chip. Our shot a little bit, maybe, but particularly check that chip. And Cathedral Beach, who was in the far outside, he benefited from all of it because he's out in the clear. So, you know, getting back to that horse, I do think you maybe probably do have the right horse coming out of that race, especially at probably a fair price. And just before we move on, uh, last horse, the three Capone. I know Jimmy Jerkins not really known for first-time starters. The dam I looked up didn't really have much success. Two siblings. Actually, GQ, you might like this. One of the sibs was 0 for 3. The other sibling was 1 for 9, I believe, or, or 1 for 6. Won his sixth start. You know what track he won his start at? His only start? Pimlico. Close. Timonium. Oh. Andy, I know you probably don't know, but uh, Gary was a TV voice at Timonium for years and did a short stint this year as well. I recall that, actually. Um, so <laughs> I do, actually. But but it's interesting. I didn't look up with this work worth the two-year-old sale. He must have worked fast because you said he has very little pedigree, this horse. The classic empire, 
you know, you know, he sold for a lot of money at the sale. I did not look up that's the Timonium sale. Um, I'm sure Maggie will look it up. She always looks those up. Um, but I guess that's the sale right after Preakness. So he's dangerous. You know, I think you have to. The other thing is, you're going to be able to see the board for this race. He'll probably be relatively live. So he's very usable in here. I agree. I, I would have him in the mix. But the two, and I think your five might be interesting. But this is a, this is a, to me, this was not an easy race to start out. Now, do you, I mean, obviously the bullet workouts and 47 flat breezing out of the gate is, is pretty incredible. Do you look at that? Because to me, we've talked a lot about this with other owners. I mean, I had a horse once, uh, part ownership, where she recorded like a bullet workout at Charlestown. Meanwhile, the horse was stabled at Monmouth. So she wasn't even at the track and they gave her a bullet workout. So uh, I've been told by so many people not to buy the workouts because there's so much shenanigans or just mistakes made. Do you look at that and are you excited by it? Or do you need to see like a workout report in order to care about workouts? Do you disregard it? How do you look at that? Well, I would only... I wouldn't, I don't care. Jimmy Jerkins worse, his horse is fast. So the fact that he has horses working quickly doesn't mean a lot to me. Um, doesn't mean the horse isn't good, but he works his horses pretty quickly uh, without a workout report, you know, of somebody who watches it, who has a good eye of how they worked. Times aren't as important as how they work. So I'm not, I'm not somebody who's into that. Some people are, it works for them fine. All right, hey Andy, so, do you, oh, ahead, uh, quick question I noticed. Uh, this horse is debuting without Lasix. Do you put any weight into first timers when they can be treated with Lasix, not running with it? No. Okay. I don't. Maybe I should, but I don't. <laughs> okay. All right. So I like the five here for the most part. Check that chip. Andy is uh, leaning towards the two actualized. He sees it more of a spread race, I think, for him. For me, I'm, I'm going to be pretty short here, leaning on the five a lot. We'll go to race five, which is six furlongs on the dirt. Claiming race 14,000, non-winners of three. And you said the first leg was the hardest race for you. For me, this is the hardest race, unless Stan Hope is better than these. But I want to ask you, how did you look at Stan Hope's last race? Because um, th there was a real battle for the pace, but the pace held. Uh, it was a day where I think you're going to tell us, you know, and you mentioned uh, speed was very good. Do you, I mean, his buyer stands out in this field. Do you like Stan Hope here? Do you think that last race was a product of the track and, and maybe he's not that great? It was against open company too, so perhaps it was against better. Well, he's obviously a difficult horse to rely on. He's kind of a nut with enormous amounts of speed, but I think he's faster than, than Brock Monadoff, so I think he'll probably be able to control over that one. And, you know, this is an unusual circumstance. This is a $14,000 not one of the free lifetime. Well, his last race was an open 12-5 claimer, an open 12-5 claimer, and the horses he ran against, Dark Money, who just won a 25 claimer's next start after he was claimed by Rudy Rodriguez, and Dream Bigger, and they, they'd be two to five in this field. I mean, they'd be overwhelming favorites in here. So he's coming out of a significantly tougher race. Now, yes, he was helped by the fact that being four was good in that track, but Dream Bigger rated, came through on the good inside, Dark Money closed outside, it's probably why he lost, um, and I'm not griping, I bet Dream Bigger, I got a little lucky there, to be honest, but he's coming out of a monumentally tougher race. So at that level, he's, to me, he's way the horse to beat from that standpoint. He's just a very hard horse to rely on, but I would lean on two horses in this race. I mean, I'm somebody who believes in pick sixes. If I'm going to commit into playing them, I'm playing multiple tickets. I'm going to have Cs, you know, ABs and Cs, but my two main horses in here would be Ebo, 
who I think if you're looking for somebody to close, if you think that four and six get involved, or you don't trust them to finish, the depot is just the best source of closers. And I want the Steve Stanhope. So I'd be very much two and four in the fifth race. And I would sort of live and die with that for the most part, for at least the majority of my play. Well, I mean, Debo is coming off what I consider a perfect trip. Now, he, he is dropping. He was against 25 non-winners at three. Now he's 14. Unless you saw the trip is different. When you I, see a yeah, horse did. who didn't put up, you do? All right, so tell yeah. us about the trip you saw. Well, that was a huge speed track, December 30th. And Hoopla was, was, you know, was, was the only real speed in that race. So he put everybody else in, the, in a tough position. Demo Doctor was forced to chase. And he was sort of a little more forward than he probably wanted to be to sort of stay in there because he was compromised in that situation. So I can give him an excuse for that race. And you, know, you look at his prior races, they're just good enough to beat these from a speed figure standpoint. I think he was compromised by the racetrack and the fact that Hoopla was just, you know, was playing his game and everybody else was forced to play it and, and not their game. Right. I mean, if and that's dropping, as you say, he's also dropping significantly. And that is a pretty reasonable drop, especially in this group. And, you know, who would hear is that exciting? Do you want X top on the rail? Do you want Eucharist on the outside? I mean, they're, they're C types for me at best, but neither one of them have done much to me for me to be particularly interested in them. If you can make an excuse, and if you're accurate with that excuse, then definitely Debo is yeah. arguably the horse to beat. Always here. the big question. I, I didn't necessarily see it that way, but I guess you know we'll find out. And uh, you're smarter than me on this stuff, so you'll probably be right there. Well, I mean, uh, uh, you listen, people have different opinions. It's horse yeah. I respect your opinion, but I think from this perspective, I think he was compromised. Did he run worse than normal? No question. And that may be why he's dropping. But keep in mind, he was also claimed for sixteen thousand dollars. So is he really dropping that much? You know, and he has got a purse, and I think they're trying to win a race. All right, and, and before, I want to ask you about one other horse, uh, but before that, just uh, you're pulling a little bit of a GQ here, we call it. Um, when you look at your PPs, we're not catching you on the mic too well, so we don't hear you as well. Oh, sorry. If there's any, I don't know if you have a screen or paper, but there's any way, but we hear you perfect when you're looking at the screen there. Um, number one, X-Top. This is a horse with GQ, if you remember, this was a Wasabi horse group uh, we're a part of who uh, ran at Monmouth over the summer. Yeah, And it's a horse that I kind of rode off recently, but I'm looking at this horse, three back at this level. Yeah, he came in fourth um, at this level, but put up a decent speed figure into speed figures. And after that, he ran a 50,000 starter allowance for 62 to one. He had no shot. So I would just toss that race. And then last race at this level, he, he had a very good trip and he did nothing. But it was wet and he didn't run too well in his one other wet track race. Is that like reaching too far for excuses the last couple? Or do you think he's just kind of tailed off? Or, or do you think he can run back to, you know, his race is three, four back. They give him a chance here, especially if there's a little speed up front. I picked him third because his race is three and four back. Look good enough to win here. So I'm, that's how little I thought of the others. But yeah, I, I had him third <laughs> and he'd be my, he would be my first backup for sure. All right. Yeah. For me, I, I just have to see the odds in this race. It's hard. And, and David does such a good job with the morning line that when we look at the races, we can kind of see pretty accurately what the horses Amazing. are going to be. Well, he does, yeah, yeah he, he's great. Um, I get teased on this show by people because I'm always saying how good he is. But Stan Hope, is I'm assuming is going to be. Good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Stan Hope is probably going to be the favorite, I would think, in this spot, a decent amount. I just got to see how short a price and if I want to just narrow down to him or if I want to kind of spread and try and beat the chalk in this race. And I'm leaning towards trying to spread and beat the chalk, but it's possible I go back to Stanhope. So I don't really have too much help in that race. Uh, we'll go to race six, uh, one mile on the dirt, maiden 
20,000 claimer for the boys. And this was a race where I have a horse. I'm probably going to uh, single in this spot. I kind of like, wow. I hope I hope I get a price. I think because of the connections, I'll get a price, but it's also because of the connections. I'm a little nervous about singling this horse. So I- I've let you kind of start off and also I'll just mention the horse I was thinking about and see if you uh, agree at all. And that's nine. We ready. These are horse who in the summer was running better than these other horses uh, put up nice speed figures. The one time at this level uh, recently, now when he was running for Chad Summers, he was no good, but since he went over to the Joe Parker barn, he ran three back granted it was in June, put up a big 67 uh, speed figure. I thought he ran pretty well. It wasn't any kind of suck up figure ain't like that. I thought he ran very well. Then they put him in a maiden special weight again, a little ambitious 12 to one. Uh, he ran okay again. It wasn't like he just, I know the time was fast, but it's not like the race fell apart or anything. Uh, so I thought he ran pretty well in that spot too. Comes off a long layoff for 20,000. He was squeezed back about one or two lengths of the start. He was four wide on a day, uh, which was recent where the rail had been very good. Uh, between the layoff, he probably needed a start. Between the, the bad start, the white, whitish trip. I just think this horse has a, a big chance to step forward. And if he gets back to anything like he was, and I think his last race is a lot better than it looks. I, I just think he's better than this field. I guess my question would be the distance because he's never really done it. The one time he did, he got trounced, but that was against better. So that would be my one concern, but I don't really like too many others in this spot. So uh, I know the six romantic band will probably be the favorite and it's going to be a little tough, but I- I'm on the nine here. H- how do you see the nine and then anyone else you want to talk about? I, I agree with everything you said 100%. I mean, I, you, could, you could be talking horse for me, and I'll give the exact same defense to this horse. He had a ridiculous ride and trip last time. The mile is a great concern. I agree. I picked him on top. Um, I think he's the horse to beat by a lot if he shows up. There's possibly some light rain. I, hopefully, it's not going to affect the track. It doesn't feel like it's going to. So hopefully, you know, because I worry about the track being sealed last time, that maybe that was part of the problem. Though he actually run well on a sloppy sealed track in the past, he was out in the middle, right? There's everything you said. I don't need to repeat everything you said. I, I completely agree with you. And if he can handle the mile and he shows up, he's a cinch in here. I mean, this is a very weak field. And, you know, I don't know where Kickerland got that race to beat him. I made a huge bet on him that day. I don't know where Kickerland came up with that race. He never ran it before. He never ran it again. And they knew they bet him that day. I mean, spot in one would be one to a billion in this race, or it would be even Monmouth. He was against the track, like you said, like he's out in the middle of the racetrack. He wasn't, I mean, he was way out there. Um, I, I agree. And the other thing is Elsa Morris and the 10 pound bug rider. I like her. Um, okay. I think she can ride. So I'm not worried about her. I think, hope oh, that just makes the price better. I, I agree. I mean, you know, maybe total effort will wire the field off the, off the Wayne Potts claim. Wayne Potts is 0 for 12 off the claim with maidens over the last five years for what it's worth. And his barn hasn't exactly been going well, but you, know, you get Trevor and he is potentially the lone speed. He is not much horse and he claimed it from Todd Fletcher. But I mean, uh, that's what worries me about that. But, but frankly, it's like you said, if we ready handles the mile, he shows up, he's going to win this race. He's what better than I, these horses by a lot. What kind of odds do you think he'll be? I think Romantic Man could be the favorite. This is a very hard rider to bet at a short price. I mean, that's being kind. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be mean, but that's just being nice saying that. And, you know, with Trevor is starting to take a lot of money because he win a lot of races, and rightfully so. And you know Trevor's going to look at it and say, I got the speed. I'm going. Um, instead, he had to chase that horse, Esau, the, the horse for, for uh, Juan Vasquez last time. So 
I would use the nine and the eight here and, and just hope for the best, but, but I'm with you on the nine. He's, he would be a horse I would lean on too. All right. And hopefully uh, Mrs. Maine is not listening uh, to hear that, but I don't think she is. Not my, so, not my job to, to make sure they're, they're, they're happy. No, we're not here for feelings. We're not here for feelings. GQ, uh, I know you've been sitting out a lot of the handicapping. So I want to bring you in by asking you a trivia question here. What do the four and the eight have in common? Does the four and the eight Andy, if you want to jump in, uh, we'll give him a, a moment, but feel free. I didn't want to put you on the spot. Him, I don't mind. They cost way too much money is, uh, when they were bought at... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, they, 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 they were... <laughs> I don't know which one is the one, but they, they were both uh, uh, whoever bought them at auction lost a boatload of money yep. <laughs> uh, when they finally cut bait, dropping them down to the $20,000 level. Yep, now, which good. one was total effort, the horse that you had mentioned to me that was a horrible favorite that uh, Pletcher was <laughs> dropping him down to 20 grand after the $290,000 uh, he wasn't even bad. He looked like he could have been three to five on paper. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I This is something our listeners probably know because I speak about it all the time. Whenever I see a horse who's like 300,000, 400,000, or, or anything even close, and they're selling for like 16 or 20 in a maiden race, yeah, if they have races you can go by. But his one race, even though he got a decent speed figure for this level, he, he wasn't in the race. He just got a figure, you know, kind of because he was in the race. So, I'm always betting against them. They win once in a while, but they win once every 10 times and you're getting, you know, six to five, seven to five. So terrible bets. And, and you see it at Gulfstream all the time. Like Todd Pletcher has a lot of them. And I want to tell you something against. else about his fig. Was that figure 65 when he ran? Because that's a figure they moved up considerably after court conviction came back and won his next race. So I'm not sure that figure wasn't like 13 points lower when he ran. I know originally was. Yeah, and, and to me, I think you'd agree, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. If a horse is like double-digit lens back the whole time, do you even care what the speed figure is that much, or do you look at that? I do on dirt. I don't on turf. Turf figures don't mean it. You know, I, I, turf figures don't matter to me anyway, but, you know, also Rams, um, I'm not that worried about it. But listen, he was the worst to beat. I mean, it was a terrible field. And that was the weird race where Eastward won, and he was like 5-1, to one, and he was a sort of – I think I picked him third or something. He wasn't, I didn't like him, but he think I'm third. And there were like six of the nine or something were covered in the pick six. And he wasn't covered. He was like one of two horses not covered or something. And that resulted, I think, in a double carryover. All right. So, so yeah, I, I'm just against the A for that reason. He dropped. They lost a lot of money on him. Great. The new connections only paid 20 for him. So it makes sense he stays here, but that, that's the kind of horse that if he was any good, he'd be running against better, I think. And maybe he can beat this field. Well, Manic Man's two-back effort where he got the 66 buyer, I thought he had an amazing, amazing, but very, very good setup. I thought he had a very good trip. He was too wide behind three speeds. Um, lost a tough photo, and the other ones are going by and pulling away from him. So even though he lost the photo, the horse, I think, snuck up a rail, maybe blame it on Brutus, if I remember correctly, it was a four-horse snuck up the round he was gonna pull away from this horse so i just thought the horse had everything his own way and he still lost and he got a 66 buyer i would downgrade that and then he came back and run a ran a 56 buyer now he i thought he ran pretty well uh in the race a four to one shot let this is the six romantic man a four to one shot was leading that race Ma, um oh i can't read the name uh who came in second and that horse was being pushed motion by a five to speed, to, motion to streak or something yeah i the can't second tell. horse was the inside speed and the winner nope. Came and, to and, on the inside and pick him up. Right. And a five to two shot um, was pushing the pace and finished last in that race. So, you know, the pace was probably legitimate. It might have even favored closer slightly. But, um, you know, I thought this horse ran fairly well. 
It was wide. No, I don't think he ran bad. I, I, I think the 66 figures is too high for exactly. those horses. I mean, the winner of that race is not a good horse. And I, I kind of feel like that this horse is more of a mid fifties. I guess he could win, but I, I'm not interested in him at all. And, and I always, you know, we talk on the show, I either upgrade or downgrade figures based on trip and class level and stuff like that. And there's no one in this field that I really upgraded other than the nines last race. So I don't think there's any value necessarily. I mean, it depends on the betting goes, but I think the nine is the one horse whose race is a lot better than it looks. And we kind of covered that. So unless there's anything you want to add, we'll go on to race seven. Okay. All right. So race seven, uh, another conditional claimer. This is 16,000 non-winners of two on the dirt for the boys. Again, I guess the girls can run, but boys are going to run. This is a race where I think a lot of people might, maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of people might spread in this race. It seems competitive to me. And this is where, and I've heard you talk about this a lot. This is where I'm going to get screwed on price by the entry, but I'm also going to get saved probably because the entry part I don't like that's going to be the one they're betting is going to win. <laughs> and I like the other one that I should get a price on. But I'm a fan of the 1A here, Scorpion Dynasty. Uh, I'll talk about why uh, after I let you uh, speak a little bit about the race. But I have a few questions for you uh, about a couple of horses. I don't know if I should throw them all out or just go one at a time. But no, go ahead. Throw, ask one at a time. All right. So the four horse. Malibu star crazy drop here from uh, uh crazy, but big drop from uh, allowance first level allowance down to 16,000 horse was putting up incredible speed figures running nineties, which is, you know, not great in stakes, but that's a high level allowance uh, figures here as a young horse uh, was a four-year-old already, but might be raced. And now after a bad start last time comes on a big drop, it really depends on the odds to me, but usually these are horses I don't love because, like I said, the last race, if they're any good, they probably want to keep the horse or at least put them for a little higher. How do you view this? Is he just like so much better than these or, or do you get scared by that drop? I feel like the whole race is filled with horses that I don't trust. Um, but I feel like one of them is going to win because I think that for the most part, the others are just not good horses. And um, I mean, I had the entry as my fifth choices in here. I, I probably heard the other, but I don't really like either one of them. But I just feel like I would never bet my money on Malibu Star. But if you're going to hit pick sixes, you have to survive races. This notion that you hit them by singling three horses is moronic. It just is. It's just you're not going to win doing it. You've got to survive races. You've got to survive races like this. Um, because I could never bet Malibu star, but he's oddly the horse to be, but I don't know if he can run at all anymore. And this is a barn that's not going well. There are 20% with 81 starters, first time for a tag, which this horse is first time in a claiming race on the dirt and a dollar 17 ROI. So they're short priced horses. You know, they're, 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 they're close. They're nine to five shots and they're, they're winning 20% of the time. So I don't trust him. He was absolutely pitiful last time he had no horse at any point in the race he just backed through the field and he just couldn't do anything with him but i'm not gonna surprise when he just beats these fields you know and i feel the same way about um the nine mr winston who's dropping also um i, I kind of like the cutback for him he also gets a big rider change to manny franco i don't trust him at all but i feel like he may wake up and just be better than these horses um i, I feel like brunate who's actually the six is my top choice because he's been against it. He was wide last time against a gold rail. The time before that, he was far too close to a pace that fell apart. And he actually didn't run that badly off a layoff. And there were muddy sealed tracks. And I'm hoping this track isn't super wet, if wet at all. 
and I'd love it on a dry track because he drops down. So I kind of had him on top. But I just feel like one of these horses is going to remember that they're just better than everybody in here, unless you want tail of mine shaft. You know, the first time on the dirt, I mean, I know that Rob Atras won with one of these synthetic horses at Woodbine at the meet, but that horse, I think he's on this card or, you know, he's in Friday. I, I looked at both cards today, so I'm not sure. But that horse got lucky. He was in a horrible field and he got loose on an inside speed track. So he's not even any good. He's still like a 64 buyer. So I don't know if this horse is that good, but I might use him as a stranger. But I'm interested in hearing your argument for the 1A, but I just feel like among the mostly the four, six, and nine, and maybe the seven is a stranger, one of them is probably going to win. Not that I'm dying to bet any of them. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I don't want to get off the tracks here. I, I definitely disagree about the betting strategy. You know, that's, that's something that that's I know we disagree about. You know, to me, if I don't like a short, if he's 10 to one in Malibu, sorry, I totally understand your logic. But I don't, and maybe he will be, I have no idea. But, you know, there's a horse that's, especially at a short price that I don't really like. I'd rather save my money. And yeah, I won't hit as many bets. But, you know, if I lose $50 instead of $300, you know, I only have to hit one out of every six bets. So, well, I, I just question how much you're willing to spend. You know, I, I, I totally understand that. I think it's a question of what your bankroll is and what you're willing to spend and, and how much you want to increase your chance of hitting them. I, I also don't like Malibu Star, but right. I don't like anybody in here. I would, this to me, this is a survival race. And I think, you have to use him to survive. Um, I'm, I'm not excited about wasting money on him either. Don't get me wrong. But in that situation, um, if, I, if we're right about the nine in the last race, even if he's three to one in there, do you really want to miss this pick six because you didn't use Malibu star? No, and I understand it. And listen, it, it, ha it happens to me in pick fives and pick sixes. There's one leg, maybe two even where I have to go deep and throw in some horses I don't love, even short prices, because maybe I might be singling the first race, that five horse who could be six to one or five to one, eight to one. I have no idea what it'll be. And yeah, I don't want to lose because I just don't think you can do it too often. That's just my own opinion. And I'll, I'm willing to spend five, 600, 800. I'm willing to spend 50, no, I agree. whatever you have it to is. Decide. But, yeah. That's why I do multiple tickets, you know? So, because if you, if you just pay one caveman ticket, you're saying that every horse in your ticket, you like the same amount. And I don't agree with that philosophy. Right. And, and I, 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 I flawed philosophy. Yeah. And, and we've had like Tommy Mathis, if you know, I'm on this show a bunch of times and I'm kind of in his camp where, and I agree with you, just betting one ticket, you're betting everyone equally, but I, I'm more of a presser. Um, so I'll, I'll bet my ticket and then I'll cut it down where let's say I was using four horses this race, but I like the one the most in this race. Maybe I use four on my main ticket, but on a press ticket, I'll use one instead of adding different combinations. So maybe I'll have it for $2. Not going to do that much with a pick six just because it's kind of expensive already, but definitely pick fives and absolutely pick fours. That's the way I would approach it. I think people should, should use the approach that works for them, that they're comfortable with this notion of telling people there's one way to bet. Well, when somebody says that immediately, I just disregard their opinion because they're wrong. There, there are many ways to approach it. There are many successful players that approach things in different ways. And to say, this is the only way to play, well, that's, that's just wrong. That's, that, that kind of attitude is just an insecurity thing more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, you know, typically I'm not going to bet a, a horse I don't like, no matter what the situation is short price. But I, I understand there definitely are different ways to play. I, you know, I'm not a big ABC fan. I pretty much never done it. And uh, I just feel like you're betting against yourself when you're betting one horse, one race, another race. What if two B's? Well, one, that's not, not it's a layer ticket. It doesn't have to work for you, but you're not betting against yourself. Well, like if you, I don't know enough about it. But what you're, you're saying with that strategy is I'm, 
essentially you're saying, I, if I'm right, if I'm really right in five of the six races, I'm giving myself room to be wrong in, in one race and not even specifically five specific races in one, any one, if I'm right in any five of the six, if I'm really smart in them and I'm really just clueless in the other one, I still can win it. And, you know, I mean, it's a different bet, but there's a sort of kind of somewhat legendary infamous horse player known as the dog. And the doc was probably the most brilliant board watcher, better, not a handicapper, but better. You could feel he's a brilliant guy and he understood betting. And years ago, he said to me, and this was a year, a long time ago, maybe 30 years ago. He said, you have a great long shot opinion. He said, but you, 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 you screw it up by having too many opinions. He said, your opinion in the races, you like the six and he's 15 or 20 to one. That's your opinion. He said, don't cloud it up with a whole lot of other unnecessary opinions. He said, bet him to win. He said, well, let's say, let's say you bring a hundred dollars in the race. I'll just use that as a base number. You bet 30 or 40 to one, say bet 30 or 40 to win on him. You make an exacta for the same amount with him second to the favorite. Don't clutter your play up with, I don't like the favorite as well. If it's a heavy favorite, I mean, obviously it's a you know open race and there's a seven to two shot, but in general, heavy favorite, because that heavy favorite might be six to five, but with your horse second, the exact may be paying $48. And so you're, it's not a six to five shot. It's a $48 exact with your horse second to it. So you've got to make money in that race when your horse runs second of the favorite. And this is a guy who I don't think his handicap opinion was anything special. And he's one of the most successful horse players you'll ever find about. And he was a brilliant guy. And it stuck with me. And if you do a study, you know, it makes sense because of the takeout. If you, looked at the study and you said, I'll bet two win two place on any horse I like that's double digit odds. Or I'll bet two win and a $2 exact under whoever the favorite is. You will make more money with the, with that strategy over time. It's a fact. And it makes sense because of the diffusion of takeout. But you have to be careful about having too many opinions. And in multi-race bets, you better really be careful about having too many opinions. You got to figure out which of the opinions I want to use to hit this race. Now, listen, I don't have a problem in the way you play. You should play whatever way makes you comfortable. But I think you have to be careful of saying, I like this, I like this. I'm not going to hit this thing if Malibu star wins. Pick sixes pay, I had to pick six for 150,000 with a three to five shot in the second race. You know, they don't depend on one or two horses. I mean, they do. They depend on one or two long shots. They don't depend on, on two short horses can hit and nobody hits it. So be careful with that. I know. And it depends what you like in other legs. I think that's a big part of it. Um, but also over time, if you save money by not using short price horses you don't like, yeah, listen, if I'm singling a 12 to one shot and I don't love a horse that's four to five, but I know he can win. Yeah. I'm probably going to use, likely going to use that horse because I'm singling a 10 or 12 to one shot. But I think over time, just cutting your losses is such a, a big thing. Like I know for me, maybe I play differently. My win percentage is probably as low as any guy who bets as much as I bet, but my ROI is not too bad compared to some of them because of the fact that I'm cutting my losses by not betting horses that I don't like at, at short price. And I, I have a major problem. I don't know, TK Kugler, who is a, a friend of ours and knows Wasabi Sable, who I've gotten to know, he even on t uh, Twitter teased me the other day because I had that $100 horse, whatever it was, um, at, at Aqueduct over the weekend. I forgot what day it was. Yeah, and yeah, yet, one race I lose was the even money shot. I can't remember the horse. I think it was like a two horse who, who definitely figured. And that's the race that knocked me out. Um, so I definitely- but that's, here's the thing I want to say. First of all, if you're if you're doing well and you're comfortable yeah. with your results, do what works for you. Yeah. Don't let me or anybody else, and, and this goes for everybody, do what works for you, what you're comfortable with. 
But you say I'm saving money. Really? How much money did you have to save to make up for the money you would have hit if you'd used the even money shot and you hit that pick four or pick five with a hundred dollar horse? Right. But if I if I use horses I don't like that much at short prices, yeah, I'm I'm gonna get some. But I'm uh, saying hits, you're missing out. I'm you're forgetting lose, on the scores you're missing out on. If I know, I know I totally and listen, I miss out on plenty of scores because of that. I miss the even money or the seven to five. But how much would I lose in bets if I keep using horses like that? Well, um, but, it's going to be a lot if it was ten thousand. It was, I think it was, it was five thousand dollars. You won there, right? You're but, talking about saving hundred dollars a day. That's fifty dollars, fifty day. I don't know. You yeah, know, I, listen. I, once again, it's you. Yeah. It's your decision. It's your money. Right. It's your strategy. And I and I say you is the is the you you know everybody you do what right. makes you comfortable. And, don't just buy somebody on Twitter that's telling you this is the only way to play. Figure it out for yourself. And, and, you know, I know, uh, again, I don't want to get into too much here. I want to get to the handicap, make sure you finish. I don't want to keep you all night. But like to me, I, I try and make a stand on one or two horses in the sequence. So um, like in the first leg, maybe it's that five horse. I, I don't know. There's one other horse we're going to talk about later. And if that horse wins, I want to have a good shot. So I would single that horse and, you know, hopefully have a good shot. And usually I try not to make it a, a even money or short price horse because I want to make something of value. To me, if I'm not hitting for 20, 30 times my money, it's I don't want to say it's not worth it. Not that I wouldn't want to bet 500 to win 3,000, but I'm not going to be able to hit enough if I bet 500 to win 3,000. So I'm trying to bet little to win big. If I bet 500, I want to win. So what's your what's your story on Scorpion Dynasty? I'm dying to know. You're dying to know. It's not a great story. Part of it is I don't like anyone else. But uh, this <laughs> we horse, make scores we don't like anyone else. That's that's a good way to handicap sometimes. Well, first of all, if you go back to his, uh, if you're looking at speed figures last spring into the summer, his speed figures were. Good enough to win this, assuming the Malibu star is not what he was. Uh, I know my cousin Rich put up that 70, but I would downgrade that a little bit. But he's running in the mid-50s and, and even 68, 77s going back. He had a long layoff, and I just liked his race off the layoff a lot. I, I don't know. You maybe tell me the field wasn't great. I, I didn't like Brekmanovic because I thought who ran, I think, in the last race we talked about. I thought he had a fairly easy lead in that race. But there's a horse who was slowly gaining on uh, on a fairly easy leader last race. He was coming off a layoff. Um, and I know this sounds silly. You're going to tease me on it. But if you take away his Finger Lakes races, he's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't like Finger Lakes. And that's not well, why I'm betting him. That's, that's just a, that's just he's a rare bonus. horse that's better at Aqueduct than that he is at Finger Lakes. Usually it's the other way around. The problem with, listen, you don't have to, you know, make a, you don't have to defend it a pick to me in this race. And your, your points are reasonably valid. At the very worst, on the reasonably valid. And listen, I'm picking a bunch of horses that may just not show up, um, but you're just getting so screwed by the entry. And I realize it's a multi-race bet, but you just get it. I mean, this horse couldn't be less than 15 to one. It might be 25 to one on his own. And with the one in here, um, my cousin, Rich, the horse you mentioned, you had the 70 buyer, you're, you're gonna get your price cut in a quarter. So this is a horrible value play. I mean, this that's is why- you just want to blow your brains out if the horse wins. You know? I agree with you always and and all, but I my cousin Rich is a horse I wouldn't bet, but I have a feeling he's going to win the race. I, I downgraded his last effort. I thought he was uh, had a good yeah, trip inside. I thought it favored yeah. us, closed a little bit. Um, so I, I didn't love his last race, but he put up, because I'm not usually like a, a speed figure player. So when a horse has a big speed figure, I usually bet against them, unless I feel it was like a real legitimate speed figure. But when I downgrade them, but between, I won't get you in any kind of trouble, but between the trainer, whatever he does, and uh, I'm surprised he's allowed to run in New York, but again, I won't want to get you in trouble. You're not um, getting me in trouble by anything you say. 
All right, that's why I'm saying it and not asking. Well, it's not many family members. A guy who's banned in many states who attacks jockeys is allowed to ride, but that's another story. Um, I understand why people have a problem with this trainer. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to tell me. But listen, if I'm getting him, I know it's killing my price. He very likely can win this race. So maybe the worst situation in in life. I mean, we 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 want to get rid of entries. We need to get rid of entries. Mm -hmm. You know, that is just a. It, it kills the concept of paramutual wagering because you're joining people in a pool that like a completely different horse than you. You know, you want to be betting against those people. You yeah. want to be betting against the people like my cousin Rich because you like your horse, right or wrong. And you're getting stuck with them. And the whole idea of paramutual wagering is we're all betting against each other. And hopefully, you know, we're going to be right enough. And in this thing, you're getting stuck with a bunch of people you don't want to be stuck with. It's not that you hate the horse, but you like another horse that's going to be four times the price. So it's just the worst. It's, I, I feel like it's it's parents are wagering. There should be no entries. I get if there's a rabbit or something, but in general, no entries. Horse players need to be say, I am smart enough to be responsible for my own wagers, you know? And anyway, I, I agree. done. No, it's all right. I agree 100% about everything you said. The thing is, he, and I'm not betting this horse vertically because every reason right. you said, but in a pick six where I think the one is the other horse is probably going to win, I'll, I got the two most likely win, maybe not most likely, but the two horses that I want in this race. So that's why I'm okay doing it. And I might not even go deeper. Uh, and I'll hope the one scratches because the price goes from three right, to one right, to 15 right. to one, like you said. And, and I agree about entries. I, I rant about that a lot. I mean, uh, there, there's a trainer. Am I allowed to say a trainer's name from Maryland? Uh, your favorite trainer, GQ? The guy who wins 38% who had a horse in the race. And, and we kind of know one of the jockeys sort of. And, um, you know, he told the jockey, don't go against my other horse. He's a speed horse. Don't go out, you know, right. to the other horse. So how is that fair when a horse looks like speed on paper, but he's telling the jockey, don't go because my other horse, I want him to go to the lead. It's right. totally unfair. But anyway, so yeah. Well, I'm, Eric, I'm, yeah. Eric, Eric, so just look at, scorpion dynasty like this you love scorpion Di- i don't scorpion. love i i like well you, you, that, that's who you're using in your pick six and you don't like my cousin rich but uh so i don't dislike Di- my cousin rich i just don't but, think he offers value but but. but but you wouldn't use him if he was a separate betting in the in pick six no i might so, he'd be my second you choice might, I'd i understand what you're saying you might use yeah. him especially yeah would. So, so just just look at it this way as if scorpion uh, scorpion dynasty was a late scratch and you got the first time favorite instead who was my cousin rich <laughs> well here here's the problem scorpion dynasty wins this race you hit the pick six you share it with four other people and you each get twenty five thousand. but you should have gotten the whole hundred and twenty five thousand. right you'd be happy with the one twenty five, but you'll be thinking to yourself i should have got one and a quarter no i no, I, I, I agree and like i said yeah like the worst scenario i know but well hopefully you know, a, Hopefully the one wins, my cousin Rich, and saves me, or uh, he gets right. scratched, and then I get 15 one horse who probably comes in fifth like you have him. But uh, that's we'll see what happens. GQ, go ahead. What you can say? Yeah, there's just one horse in here, and I don't know. You get to multiple horses that you're uh, liking here, Eric. But um, what would you do with the eight-horse uh, victory uh, built? I mean, the horse is one for 28. Is this a horse that you have to toss? Um, uh, even if you like him because his last two races are looking good, uh, he doesn't, win. he doesn't win. I wouldldn't use him in here. Right, exactly. I'm not using he, he's second right. If he's second nightitis, yeah, you know, he's a typical toss for a horizontal wager. That's second that blinkers you for you. Okay. Is that is that how you look at I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use a horse like that. 
one for 28, especially in this race. Yeah. I'm not, this is a, this is, this is, to me, this is just a survival race. I, I, I don't have a particularly strong opinion there to say the least. And, and I well, think that's yeah. why they're all one for 20, one, one for whatever, yeah. you know, listen, your, your idea with the one a is fine. It's just, the problem is you're sad with the other horse. I, I respect mm-hmm. your opinion on him. Otherwise he seems like you can, if you can make a case for a long shot, then you have to bet them, you know? So, so just, just to quickly recap, um, I don't think, I'm sorry if you spoke about Ghostman the two, but coming off a no. maiden win, three ran, yeah. ran okay, but you just think there's a step up in class from a state red maiden 25? Yeah, I think he won a horrible race last time. Um, I mean, he beat Boom Boom Kaboom, who's a hopeless over a million turf sprinter. Um, I don't like that horse at all. Um, I would live or die. I would live and die with a four, six, and nine, and maybe a little seven, um, and, and just hope for the best. Um, my, my top pick in this race is going to be Bernate. I figure he might be, it was either, I, I, you know, if I had somebody put a gun to me, I said, you have to have somebody to win here. I would bet whoever's a bigger price between Bernate and Mr. Winston. But I, I am not thrilled with the idea of betting this race. I'm sorry if you said this before, I apologize, but Mr. Winston had the blinkers on last time. Did you address that with the blinkers coming off? No, I don't. Do you think I that's think why he ran poorly? Or just sort of acts of desperation. He was just, well, he also chased outside against a gold rail last time. I mean, it doesn't account for him losing by 40 lengths, but it's a bit of an excuse. He was against the track and his race two back was good enough. You know, his race two back is good enough to win this race. Um, I don't think he ran it badly that day. I like Arietta. I don't love him, but he is dropping considerably. And it's just races like this. It does seem like you want to beat one drop down fine. Beating three of them, that's a different prop. It's a tough proposition. Like I said, I had no problem in your 1A, except for he'll be terrible value. All right. So we move on to race eight, which is a 62,000 optional claimer, non-winners of two other than at seven furlongs on the dirt. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that my 2020 Derby winner is in this field. (laughs) (laughs) I was a huge answer in fan in the early part of 2020 and it just did not pan out he ran in the southwest i honestly don't remember he came in third i can't remember if he had an excuse or not but i definitely before that like that horse and it just never really worked out he's been a nice horse but never really worked out for answer in um the horse to beat here though isn't he i I don't think so you think so yeah i thought i preferred him i I thought the two horses were the one and two and a smidge and a seven i didn't have a clever idea at all in here i don't like the others at all little menace rode a good rail last time and stunk i think he's a phony famished you know should have won last time he got left but he's not he can't beat these horses in chestertown i'm not a chestertown fan gemography was good enough last year to win but his recent form has been been dreadful i think repo rocks is a repo repo or repo rocks has a chance to win this race um sibelius wrote a gold rail against a weak field last time and by land and sea my problem with him is that he was on a big speed track and he was involved in the pace with pioneer spirit who kind of stinks and pioneer spirit still beat him now, maybe seven furlongs will be better than a mile for him. So I do think he can win. But I think that Pan Syringes might be better than these horses. I, 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 I picked the race two one seven, and I would probably lean very much on twos and ones. Huh. You have, yeah. seem to have a very different idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm different. But um, yeah, the one's interesting, uh, what you said, because he does get the, the one dirt race. He had the big speed figure, 94 buyer. But like you said, he chased the 25 to one shot and couldn't go by with every chance in the stretch. That's not inspiring track, confidence. Yeah. So... I mean, listen, if he runs that speed figure, obviously he has a big chance here, but I don't know. Could be a little on the high side, that number. How, 
the, the horse that I like that you uh, you dissed already. So, um, you know, I'm in trouble maybe. But how do you see the pace playing out in this race? Do you think the, the think three and eight go? Lead. Do you think the eight's faster? Do you think? No, I think the three goes. And I, I don't know. The eight, the, I don't think the eight has any real speed. He was in a completely paceless race last time. And I mean, I don't think he's particularly fast. So, no, I wasn't. I didn't think he was the speed and that with that kid riding him. Good luck. I mean, I think the three will be in front. I just think the three is, I don't like the three. I mean, he was in a five horse. It wasn't even a five horse. It was in a three horse field last time. It was a five horse field where two of them had absolutely no chance whatsoever. Because effectively the three horse field, he had the run of the race. He was the inside speed on a track that was very, very strong rail. And he just stopped and they didn't, they bet him like they knew he couldn't win. And I, I, I feel like he's got some dirt ability. He might be better on the turf. I don't like this horse. Now, listen, he is off the claim by Rob Atris. And if the track comes up a big inside track, he's probably the inside speed. So maybe he'll win this one for Atris, but I'm highly skeptical. All right. So the horse that you probably think has no chance is the horse that I actually like the most here. And again, it's about value. If, if you're telling me, don't worry about the odds, I'm not picking this horse, but because I'm getting well into the double digits, I'm, I'm high on this horse uh, for that reason. And that's eight Sibelius who you didn't care for. Uh, and, and I'll you're say my handicapping why. hero if he wins. All right. Well, I'm going to, you yeah, can replace he, me on talking horses per day. <laughs> uh oh. I don't think that's going to happen, but because uh, he's not winning, but I, I give him a chance at 15, 20 to one or even 12 to one. So he ran two back, uh, granted, at the first level allowance. So not against as good horses, although Repo Rocks was in that race. And he was dueling three wide against a five to one shot who came in 11th and an eight to one shot that came in 10th. So that race really fell apart. And he held tough. Like, I was extremely impressed by that race. Uh, Repo Rocks, I actually downgraded because of the fact that he had a great setup in that race and, and pretty good trip. Uh, I know he breaks a little slow, but he always does. So you got to expect that. So I really liked that race. And it was off a layoff two back. So I don't remember if I bet January 8th. I think I did because it was a Saturday, I want to say. I don't remember Sibelius, uh, my betting that day. a horrible favorite in the race. There was a a, a Rudy claim oh, that it yeah. just exploded for Rudy off. Of, and then he was coming off a long layoff. I mean, it was a two-horse race to me between the first two finishers. And I'm sure I was licking my chops on Sibelius because he gets that 82 buyer off the layoff in a three-way duel with two you know, somewhat logical horses that faded to the last in an 11-horse field. So I upgrade that big time. I, I like Jerry O'Dwyer, GQ and I, you know, you know from Maryland, uh, where we follow races pretty closely. And I don't know if you knew GQ was from Maryland. So, yeah. so Sibelius, I would have loved last time, or I did. And it doesn't say in the PPs. I like when there's trouble in, uh, that they don't listen to PPs because you can get value for it. He hopped at the start, and it cost him a few rents, and he rushed up. Now, I'm not as into – the biases, I think, in my handicapping is you. I'm putting it, uh, you know, mildly or whatever. And I agree, like the 22nd, the 21st, that whole weekend or week, it was crazy inside. Uh, and I don't know, maybe the 8th is, but... No, the 8th was a fair... I had the 8th a fair track. Oh, good. Okay. I thought you said when you mentioned you rushed up on a good uh, rail. That makes me feel better than that you have it fair. I just thought he really hurt himself with that start. I mean, he had a really rush up. I know the time looks slow, but... I don't, I mean, you see what's going on at Gulfstream. I don't trust times usually anyway. I like to look how the races run. And to me, last time uh, he rushed up, he dueled Chowda. I know Chowda held for a second, um, but I just thought they were by far the two best horses in the race. And with the bad start, it this horse ran well. Now he's got to step up from the non-winners of one to non-winners of two. But I have questions about a lot of these horses. And you brought up most of the questions about these horses. So 
Uh, and answer in to me, his 96 buyer, he got four back was with maybe the trip of a lifetime. I don't think you're ever going to see a trip that good. He won by three, but that was an amazing trip. So, I mean, take away that buyer speed figure and he's no better than most of these here, in my opinion. And I'm an answer in fan. So for me to say that I, I don't, you know, I downgrade his last effort a little bit. There was a duel up front that I thought helped him uh, significantly. So listen, Sibelius, the, the question is the pace scenario. If he gets into it with little menace, he's, I mean, he's never really been able to, pa- actually, that's not true. His first start, got to go back to, he was able to pass horses. So maybe he can sit if he needs to, but, um, and, and I agree about the jockey, but I'm not betting him at two to one, which I never would. I'm betting him at 15, 20 to one. So Sibelius, I, I just think his last two efforts are much better than they look. And I don't love this field. So even stepping up, I mean, I wish he wasn't stepping up. I feel real, real good about it. The step up worries me a little bit, but um, yeah, that, that's why I like the most, but I'm not singling him at all. Uh, and I'd use uh, a lot of the horses you said. Answering is my fifth choice, and he's going to be probably what, maybe favorite, probably, probably second choice, probably second choice, yeah. probably by land and sea will be favored. Listen, that, I'm not talking people off long shots. I don't see him at all, but I, the, um, you like him, he's yours, you know. And and do you give Chestertown? I know you mentioned him like dismissively, um, and I know. Did they take the purchase price off of Chestertown? Didn't they have it where he was like a five hundred thousand dollar? This was the joke that I made that oh. 800 people on Twitter didn't get. Shocking. When I, well, I didn't when see I it, I didn't get it. But the best day for his owners in his life will be the day he turns five. Because once horses turn five, they stop putting the oh, purchase yeah. price in the paper. So it didn't have to keep reminding they paid $2 million for this horse. Oh, geez. And I said 500,000. I, I said, the, the, you know, January 1st will be the best day for his owner in this horse's life when people, and, you know, everybody goes, oh, they're taking, you know, everybody's like, they're taking the, 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 the purchase price out of DRF. And it's like, God, <laughs> listen at all. Now, um, I, I, I know I that make jokes. He, he's just, I, I just don't think he's much worse. You don't think um, he had trouble last race and uh, race? He had some trouble. Some he also didn't but... have enough horse to get through that hole. I thought that was a horrendous DQ. Um, I just don't, I don't well, I'm not a big fan. I, I just, don't think he's I impossible. I think I picked him fourth. Um, I mean, I guess, but I just don't. Where is his race that's fast enough to win recently? I don't see him as being, I mean, he's just picking up pieces in races. And that last race was coming apart and he had a good trip staying inside. And yeah, he steadied after that. But getting there, he got in a good trip. And I don't, I think the reason he got shut off was he just didn't have the worst to get through. Yeah. And I agree I, uh, that he was not because he for a second could have got through and he just didn't have it. Right. But he did get checked back. And, and I agree with everything they said. But, you know, if you're somebody who looks at the buyers, that 77 buyer, he wouldn't have checked. If he didn't check back so bad, he would have been in the low 80s, something like that. Right. But I don't think the low 80s gives him as a chance to win this race. I don't think I'll be shocked at this race because See, Little Menace will probably run better than that. Repo Rocks is going to run better than that. You know, yeah. between by land and sea, answer in Repo Rocks and, and even Little Menace. It's very hard for this race to be won with an 82. Very, right. see, very, very hard. I see it not different. I agree with you. But if we're looking at buyers, like, I don't think you need a 90 to win this buyer. I know some horses have run it. No, I but you may need an 88. And yeah, that's, no, that's, I can buy that's that. three lengths, you know, that's a yeah. lot. All right. Well, we'll see. It's, Hopefully, it's not just three lengths against one horse. It's three lengths against potentially as many as four horses, you know? So you're going to have to hope that they all don't show up. Listen, it could happen. It happens, but not for me. Well, they'll all be staring, hopefully, at Sibelius' uh, bottom. I, you know, when the 1A wins and Sibelius wins, if you're not alive, I'm going to be very annoyed. 
Yes. <laughs> I probably won't from the first leg. But anyway, all right, we go to the uh, the final leg, race nine. And I want to thank you now for staying so long. I apologize. We're keeping you. Uh, one mile on the dirt, made in special weight for state brands. Uh, another boys, I guess it's like anti-girl uh, racing on Thursday. Do they do the girls? You know, on they have a lot of, they, right, is it, it's like Sarah, is it Sundays a lot of time? There are a lot of races for Phillies and mares. They do seem to do that. I don't know how intentional it is one way or the other, but it does seem to happen so far. All right. So in this race, because, you know, you have to take a stand at times, you don't have an unlimited budget or most people don't. I don't. This is a race I want to take a stand on. The only concern might be the distance, but the more I look, the more I'm not that worried about it. So I'm going to single most likely to finish this thing, which, you know, I hate having a single at the end because it's nice to be alive to spread. But if that's how it works out, that's how it works out. Um, I kind of like the three Beach Boy Al in this race. Who do you want out of that? Jan- and I'll talk about why in a moment, but who do you want out of that January 9th race, if any of them? Well, he's the one you're supposed to want out of that race. Uh-oh. I agree. With you. The problem is Pineapple Man. If Pineapple Man wasn't in this race, I would 100% agree with you. But I don't see how Pineapple Man isn't pushing this horse. And now he's got to get a mile with Pineapple Man pushing him. I don't have any, I, I agree with you completely. He is the one you want out of that race, except. Eminency is getting a huge rider change to Trevor McCarthy from, from Ada. So, and I don't think Emissy ran nearly as well as Bush Boy Al last time. I totally agree with you. And he's going to be a much shorter, he's going to a shorter price probably. So, you know, I, I get that mentality. I, I, I had this conversation with David Aragona earlier today about Beach Boy Al. So I, I'm with you, but I just, the presence of Pineapple Man, Pineapple Man scratches, he's going right on top for me. But I just, I don't know if he can win with Pineapple Man in here. Well, let me ask you a question. What makes you think that Beach Boy, uh, I know he's inside of him, but what makes you think that he, I know Kendrick's aggressive too. I'm giving you answers, by the way, if you want to use them. But um, <laughs> what makes you think that he's going absolutely to lead and he can't sit off the pace if he wants? He sat, uh, uh, I mean, he was right up on it, but he was I, I don't, just I don't, off. I don't know that. It's always possible, but you have to presume that given his speed, he's going it's hard to see Kendrick. He's going to take him back another horse and get jammed inside. I suppose, you know, you're going to have to hope the four rushes off and opens up two lengths. Is that the way Dylan rides? I don't see it happening. And I don't see Kendrick seeing the lead to Dylan. Um, maybe I listen, I don't disagree with you. He's the worst to beat in this race, except for the concern about the pace scenario. And if you don't have, don't want to worry about it, you just want to say, I think he's the right horse. That's why I think the horse in this race that might not be able to run. And that's the nine and feasible because I'm not thrilled in general with the last race on January 9th. I thought that was a crappy field. I know it fell apart and I get the argument for your horse. You're right. But I'm not sure that overall quality that feels very good. Now in feasible, the aptitude is the law. He didn't do any running. He was under a drive the whole way and he tried, but the winner of that race was a Bill Mott, a private purchase by Wachtell to Bill Mott from Carlos Martin. They'd run a fast race first time out, um, and he came back and ran an even bigger race. So he wasn't winning that race in any circumstance. He broke from far outside, so he had to ride him just to be in the race from that post. And I'm wondering if with a race under his belt stretching out to a mile, I can't see anybody else in this race I want other than potentially the three and six. So I'm going to go with him, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm shaky on him. He may just stink. But I don't think he's going to be favored, and I want to give him one more chance. But I, I don't, I don't stand on solid ground with him. I'm not going to sit here and defend him. You know, I wish State Planning had done a little running after breaking four lengths behind the field. But 
I don't know. He just didn't look like he did any running at all. I, I could be wrong, definitely. I didn't think the horses who Infeasible ran against, who came in one, two, came back to run again. Um, um, I, I could be wrong, but no, I mean, no, have... the winner did not. I don't believe the second one did. Yeah. Um, and also, that was a race where the speeds ran one, two, four, three around the track. I think so right nobody was getting ground yep. in there. You know, I don't think it was a, it was a bias. It was a very fair day, but it was a race that the pace totally held together, not just the winner. So I can make some cases for him. And I feel like the night that race on January 9th was not a good race, but I don't, I'm shaky on whether or not Infeasible is even a good horse. So it may not matter. You know, he just might not be much worse. Yeah, it scares me uh, that, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I think you're, I think you're right about Guichway. How I just worry about Pineapple Man. Yeah. You know what? I, I talk about this a lot on the show too, and especially in New York. And I think that's one reason why I handicap this way. I feel it's impossible almost to see what or to anticipate what some jockeys are going to do in a race because, it is. because they, they never go. So what I can't tell you how many times in the long ago, and I do it once in a while, I fall for it, but you know, I'm like, Oh, there's probably going to be a pace tool. Let me take a horse off the pace. And then only one horse goes, or, um, you know, I don't like a speed horse, but he's the only speed in the race. I'm like, Oh, he's going to get an easy lead. And then he doesn't run well, even if he gets easily or, or they duel on the lead. It's so hard to predict that I kind of view it in a vacuum a little bit. And then I decide, all right, what's most likely. And it affects me, but that's probably like the sixth or seventh factor for me. Handicapping It's definitely not a primary factor. So if I think this horse was definitely the best horse out of those last race, I, I it was his first time start, you know, you should get better. I'm not going to worry too much about the pace. I mean, listen, would I be happy if pineapple man scratched? Like you said, yeah, that would be great. Might not get much odds on the three, but uh, you know, I'm okay with that. Let, let me ask you about another horse here. Uh, for that training we were talking about before, uh, th- just a general, a general question, and then a question about the two specifically state planning. The general question would be: When a horse, I don't know how the past tense dwelt. Is that past tense? I guess when a horse broke, dwelt, this horse broke legitimate four lengths beyond the field. Right. Maybe. When a horse does that, but it's on his own, do you kind of forgive that and say, "All right, next race if he break," or are you like, "Hey, I want to see this horse be able to break before I touch him." I know he didn't do much running at all after that, but. I mean, it was such a bad start. You can probably just toss the race. Juan Vasquez has crazy numbers. How would you view that? I wish I watched the race. I thought they tried after that, and he just never picked up a hook. Having said that, those horses will run better sometimes. And he's a tricky trainer, and he's not the guy you just want to dis- dismiss summarily. So I'm not going to be shocked. Um, good. The, the, the second guy in Jeopardy missed bet usual he got his whole thing even though the only way he could win is if the leader got it wrong and the la- the person had nothing in third and he bet everything very intelligent all right so um, I, I know we're 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 above tom amos now on the pecking order but we're below jeopardy so at least we got no, knocked out for you're the one no it's because of you guy you started it so <laughs> anyway um i i, I state playing is a horse that would be a c for me i wouldn't want to be smart and get here and not have him and and the thing is I don't know where I'm particularly clever in this sequence. You know what I mean? I look through and it's like maybe the fourth race with a two and five, you know, they'll be okay prices. Um, but I'm using logicals in the, in the next race. I think we're reasonably logical with we're ready. I mean, we're ready. He's not going to be, you know, I'm fairly logical in the sense. So I don't, I'm not clever in this card, you know, so I'm not, you know, I'm going to have to, uh, it's not a secret. I may be, see, you know, like in my job, if I pick five winners on a card and they're, you know, $6 horses and under, I don't think I did anything particular. I just picked a bunch of obvious horses that anyone could pick. Um, whereas if I get a one or two decent prices home, I think that's a really good job, you know, mm-hmm. or I, you know, 
a six to five shot Windsor race. And I like the horse that was 18 to one and it ran second. I know that the people who judge me only by my first picks, it's more fodder for them how much I suck. But I actually think I did a pretty good job in there. You know, um, it, it, I don't have clever ideas in this card. So you have nothing but clever ideas, theoretically. You're the precipice of being clever. Take out the word clever. Well, you've got to win. If one of them wins, you're clever. You know, that's the thing on my show, too, on this show. I, it's very similar to you. You know, I've seen, I don't want to talk about any individuals, but you know, I'll see, oh, so-and-so had this on the podcast or whatever, because they got seven guys picking horses. And they're all picking like three horses and, you know, two to one horse wins. I'll pick one winner out of five races. If I'm picking, I don't even really pick horses. We more discuss why we like them, but you know, I'll have one winner. It'll be a seven to one shot. I'll go over four in the other races, $2 to win on every horse. I'm making money. But you know, like you yep. said, the win percentage isn't there. People are like, oh, you must think, but it is what it is. People, people, people jump are going to make the decision about you they want to make. You know, if they don't <laughs> like you, they'll decide that you suck. If they like you, they'll think you do well. So, you know, you can't please them all. You try the best you can. GQ, you want to jump in? You had something there? Yeah, no. And plus, I mean, you you're uh, you have the ability to um, replace Andy on Talking Horses if Sibelius wins. <laughs> right, when, when we finish directing the statue of you in front of Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Put it next to Bob Baffert's statue of Santa Anita. I'll take it right there. Um, so for, for those out there, I, I think we covered in that last race the, uh, you know, the logical horses. Well, let me get one more question, then we'll go, because I know your favorite show, Wheel of Fortune, is starting right now. Um, the <laughs> seven the horse... beginning's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the best part. When they're turning the letters, that's the part I like the most. But uh, it's good, because kindergarten education, you can watch. No, I'm kidding. I just insulted half our audience. Sorry about that. I'm an elitist from the coast. I'm sorry. Yeah, you didn't insult the other half. That's true. That's true. And they're the only ones who got it. So it's all right. Uh, speaking of got it, he's got it. The seven horse, eight horse devil's like, I don't really put too much stock in jockeys and what horses they're riding because you never know when a horse is entered, who's committed to who right. and why. An owner doesn't like a guy. You saw him at dinner, said something bad. Who knows? And do you find it weird that um, Lescano is riding the, what I would think would be a much longer price for Hennig and can sell? Riding, not that Cancel is a bad rider or anything, but that's kind of rides um, a lot more for Hennig and has more success. Does that interest you? Because he's he coming out of the same ride, race. Maybe, he wants, to, maybe okay. he wants to ride for the little Gooper guys, right? Maybe. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, okay. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't. I don't have any guesses on those things. You know, I mean, this horse comes out of the same race, the nine, and he really did no running, and he also didn't get bet. But hey, like I said, I'm not gonna. But I don't. I don't. I don't know anything. Right. Those guys got, are on Twitter. Ask them. We could. We got the uh, yeah. Mark Henning's very nice. active. We should. He, it's yeah, the Mark, other Bobcat. Mark, why, why, why that is? You could ask the little bluebird guys. You know. Oh, all right. I'll say. Actually, I might. They might follow me. I might follow them on Twitter. It sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty good, sure. Good um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, maybe you know they have more horses with him. I, I, I don't know, but. The other Bobka theory, right? The horse says uh, trainer has two horses, even if one looks a little better. Although I don't really love the seven. I actually would bet the eight because you're going to get a much better price. And at least he was a first time starter. I don't see how the seven no wins because we know who the exactly. seven is based on his last race against that field. And he's nowhere close to a few of them. Whereas Devil's Edge is a total fuzzy. I don't really like him, but who right. knows? Maybe he'll just wake up in his second start and he needed his first start. I feel confident the seven's not winning. The eight's a fuzzy. So you want to throw him in, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I agree 100% on that. And just uh, wrapping it up here, I would really recommend for listeners out there, a lot of you probably already do, but if you don't listen to Talking Horses before the Aqueduct cards and Belmont Saratoga cards, I can tell you that I learned so much about handicapping just by watching uh, Andy on that show for years. Uh, I had a, a family friend, a friend really kind of like an uncle who taught me about the horses going back to probably the early 90s, even late 80s, to be honest. But 
Um, you know, I learned a lot from him initially. And then uh, just watching Andy analyze races. And even when you hear it on this show, don't worry so much who people are picking. You know, I, I wish on the website, actually, Andy, I know it's more work for you and you're not going to do it. It's nothing, not a knock, but I wish instead of just writing 4831, you'd have a little write. Like I know David Aragon is able to do that. I, I know you have other responsibilities, but um, that would be, you know, more valuable, but at least they can hear you say it. And that's what I recommend, not just Andy, but Andy's one of, if not the best at this. So definitely listen to him speaking about horses and, and why he likes horses, why he doesn't uh, ignore the bias stuff a little bit, maybe, but, <laughs> but other than the gold rails, uh, you know, he does an awesome job. So uh, thank well, you for coming on. I really have learned a lot from you and I'm not just saying that. And I you know, I've had a couple of good years betting the horses and, you know, while I might disagree somewhat on the betting side, I, I, the handicapping side, I've learned so much and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for you. So even though I don't know you really, uh, I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate um, that. And, and, and I, and listen, you know, the great thing about racing is disagreeing. You know, there's a million, there's so many different ways to look, whether it's handicapping or betting, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you're, you're thinking about it and you're finding something that you're comfortable with, that's the important thing, you know, find something that you're comfortable with. And that's, I would never tell somebody you need to bet this way, you know, that's the racing, you know, we're, we're on our own. At the end of the day, we're all alone going to the window, even if it's our computer, or our phone, but we're all alone and we make the decisions and you got to live with the decision you make. I don't want to hear this guy talk me off the horse or that, you know, mm -hmm. you make the decision at the end. If somebody else helped put you on a horse, you still made the decision at the end. And that's, that's the great thing about racing, you know, the opportunity to be right. And, and you nailed it on Twitter uh, prior to the Pegasus when you tweeted that, well, I expect life is good to win because 80% of the people who commented said, Nick's go is going to win. I thought life is good was a cinch in that race. And it's amazing how everybody kept telling me Nick's go. And I think a lot of people are confused. They see the Breeders' Cup Classic. Oh, he won the Breeders' Cup Classic. How could he possibly lose? And I don't think they really understood the situation. Oh, right. But that's okay. I'm, a lot of times I think I understand it and I got it dead wrong. I don't understand. Last, last week, GQ can attest, we were on this show. We had Brian Aragoni from Canterbury Park, and I, I didn't even think it was close. Like we were saying, I, I, I was looking to beat Nick's go for a second. It didn't work out, but uh, hoping they were getting a duel. But I think Joel played for a second there. Uh, I, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of talk about what happened, but to me, if he goes, he comes in fifth. And he's I, like, I get I think 50 grand if I just stay back a little bit. I'll take the 50 grand and stay back. I don't need to prove anything. I think that, that, that in a lot of ways, I think Brad and Joel faced, looked at it the same way that Bob Baffert and, and Johnny Velasquez did with me and your spirit. We want to win. We're not not riding to win, but our best chance to win and our best chance to get a good placing is not to go after that and just hope that Nick's go, you know, would be a spirit. Nick's go comes back and we'll take our shot. This works. If we go head to head with him, we are going to get nothing. And I think Nick's go and Brad Cox realized they realized a lot of people didn't realize it on Twitter. We can't go with this guy. He is too fast and he's going. And I agree with you completely. I don't think it's they didn't not try to win. They used the strategy to get the best chance to win, and it also was the best chance to be second. They were never winning this race going with him, but they had a chance. Maybe they don't go with him. Maybe he falls apart. You know, who knows? All right. So we agree a lot there. GQ, you want to uh, wrap it up? Anything before we go? Uh, I just, I, I, I just again echo a Andy. You're, uh, you're a, a major reason why people have uh, passion for it. I mean, well, you, you, you know. Social media is big today and it's big for horse racing and you, you keep the conversation going. 
And well, thanks. That, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to. I'd like that to be on my tombstone. He kept the conversation going. So now my that. tombstone, we're gonna have Andy Serling once didn't pick up Tom Amos to talk to Eric. So <laughs> we each have our tombstones for tonight. He'll be very. He'll be very excited. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you again, Andy. Really appreciate it. Good luck out there uh, for those spending the races. I'm actually going to be down in Tampa. I'm very excited this weekend. have some business to take care of, and it works out perfectly. I can go to the track. So I'm looking forward to that. Hearing Jason Beam, who's been a guest on this show, calling the races live. Very excited. Good luck with this pick six, everyone. We will speak to you next week back on our regular schedule Thursday night. Ta-ta.